0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want To Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Tom Stanley on, who is a racing presenter. Hi, Tom.
1: Hi, guys. How's it going?
0: All good. How are you?
1: Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. Um, I, uh, I've i had a, a, a non-racing presenting day, which has been... Uh, very nice just uh being a a, a sort of normal well semi-normal um (laughs) family man which is uh yeah which has been good and trying not to spend too much time on social media um so nowadays very
0: difficult
1: do you know it is isn't it it is all encompassing but um yeah sometimes I, i i pretend that i'm um, doing something important work-wise on the phone, where really I'm just scrolling <laughs> through Twitter.
0: I had to delete that that new TikTok thing because I was just getting stuck on it for hours.
1: So we, I, did this, so my wife and I had to almost have a meeting about whether or not we went on it. That's where we, <laughs> that's where we've got to now because um, Instagram and and Twitter um, has. Uh, I use Twitter for work um, and Instagram for personal life, mm. um, but the yeah they they really do take over and the the just constant scrolling through and then i somebody made me aware of tiktok and <laughs> it was quite entertaining for a bit and then yeah we had our, our little um, debate over dinner and thought do you know maybe we don't need another one in our life so <laughs> i haven't gone there yet i haven't gone there
0: so do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you actually do tom
1: um, so I'm a horse racing presenter, broadcaster, so I spend my days um, really travelling either to race, uh, horse race meetings or to our studio. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm freelance, but I, I, I work predominantly for a company called Racing TV, who are a, um, a subscription horse racing channel um they're on on sky virgin media etc um although largely online now we, we're trying to open up to um how we think people are going to watch the sport in the future um and watch sport in future um and largely give people choice online um but perhaps that's something we can you know i'll, I'll come to later on mm. um but we uh yeah we have a, a studio at ealing studios um so quite often i'm the least important person walking through the uh, the barrier through there as they've got the gots sort and of all sorts of actors and things in there and then i'm wandering through my rucksack and it's um you know it's it's, it's a hobby really um so I, it's i'm i'm very lucky to say that the work doesn't feel like work um weekends are obviously busier than than earlier on in the week because sport tends to take place towards the the weekend and horse racing does although i think there's any three days a year where there isn't actually any UK horse racing wow. um but uh it's yeah it's um it's it, if, if you like horse racing it's a great fun thing to do and I thoroughly enjoy it I'm not a commentator so quite often people say oh do you commentate but I that's very difficult and I, I don't do that I'm the person that sort of opens a show waffles a bit throws over to the commentators commentate on a race and then I pick <laughs> up and analyze it
0: um, so f- for me personally I don't know about you Julie, but I don't know a ton about the world of-, of horse racing so was it something that you had always been interested in and you knew you wanted to go into or, or is it something you've picked
1: up? Uh, no it was I so my dad was always into horse racing um he it would be very different to me so he has never placed a bet in his life um naturally horse racing uh all over the world but mainly much more I think in this country than than other jurisdictions is intrinsically linked with the gambling industry and um I, I would say 70% of of horse racing fans will will like to to have a bet as well. Um which is probably more so than than say the the, the more common sports that that people will watch um on on the TV. Horse racing is the before the the uh the global pandemic horse racing is the the second biggest attended sport in the UK but um as far as watching on TV um it you know it, it won't demand the sort of audiences that that football can and demand. But um I'm a, I, I got involved really through him putting me in touch with it. But when I was a, a a child, I used to find it thoroughly dull and boring. And I was sort of I'd be sat there going, Why are we watching these horses running around a field? This is rubbish. Um and then when I was I got to sort of my mid to late teens and I started going racing I was introduced to the gambling side it became for me particularly interesting and and that really cemented my enthusiasm for the sport it wasn't my sole interest but you know I I needed I needed a way to 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 find something to support and that was through gambling if I watch a football match I have a team to support but I but horse racing um I I I was interested from a betting angle as as well as just a a passion for the sport Mm.
0: I I guess so where did the presenting come into it from for you as well uh
1: so I never thought I'd work in horse racing I had um big plans to be an actor um Mm. and so well I say big plans I (laughs) I I had no big plans to be an actor I just decided that's what I was going to do and, uh, I, uh, went to a drama school, uh, and was just all really the only person everywhere I went from, from university onto drama school. I was the only person that was interested in horse racing as well. And I, at the time it was, it was more than a casual interest in horse racing. I was, you know, I was, I was regularly watching it. Uh, I decided that I was going to, Financially support myself through betting on horses, which didn 't work so for anyone listening think that 's a good idea it 's probably not a good idea um, but that that is the truth so that 's what I tried to do. Um, not that it was a disaster it just wasn 't sustainable as a i wasn 't making much as an actor, and, and nor was I through uh, putting money on horses so um, it came to a point where I hit my mid 20s and thought. You know, when when you're in your early twenties, and I was doing the odd acting job, which on the face of it was quite well paid. You, you're, I was sort of quite smug, thinking. You know, I, so I did an advert, for example, and I, and it, and it was pretty well, um, well paid. And and then you think, oh, I've just earned that for five days' work. Great, and then when you get to your mid 20s and you haven't done another advert since or got another job since and then all of your friends who you graduated at the same time with who did different degrees start getting their internal promotions with their job and you start reality hit me and I thought oh actually I'm Mm -hmm. no I'm no better off than I was five years ago and suddenly everyone else is talking about buying houses and those sorts of things so it came to a point really in my mid to late 20s where I thought I need to make a I need to make a change and um, the, the, the combining the passion for horse racing and I suppose some element of performance because I suppose that's what presenting is a little, it, it made sense to try and do that. And I was very lucky uh, that it, that, that it's all worked out to this point. Although as a freelancer, who knows what's around the corner. <laughs>
2: We've spoken to a few presents actually. And that's one of the most intriguing things about them, I think is that they, are able to take these two uh two entities of their passions that can be totally different but you match them together and you get quite a good brilliant job out of it where you have these brilliant skills of being able to be an actor and present in front of a camera as well as a passion for whatever you're doing in your case horses and it's it works really well
1: well i think you're if you know if you've got a passion for something that that is half the battle um you know i think you're I, I think you're found out if 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 the the passion isn't genuine and, uh, and and if you're not yourself so i think those are the you know that i've i've definitely learned that to um to to try and and just accept how i come across and hopefully that works if you try and change that it's it's very difficult um and you know i'm i'm am i'm a to be honest i'm a fan of of all sports um but i think horse racing was you know, there was. It made sense, horse racing wise, for me to pursue that because it was the sport I was I was I was watching most at the time and, and most involved in, and also, you know, there were there were there were fewer people like me trying to break into the horse racing broadcasting world as opposed to other sports. It was slightly less competitive because, you know, for reasons I've mentioned, horse racing wise, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know there weren't sort of many twenty um, five year olds living in Brixton um thinking that i want to go and be a horse racing broadcaster i suppose so there was do, do you know what i mean there was there was less it felt it, it felt there was less competition to go down that route than to um you know try and battle to work in 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 football or, or in another sport
2: so how did you uh start to go down that route of becoming a um horse racing presenter
1: So there was there was a there was a specific moment where I made the decision, which initially was really uh, I would know it it was tough. But I thought it might be tougher because when you've set your sights on being an actor or or whatever you set your sights on doing initially and you change tack, you are pretty much admitting failure to an extent. And I found that uh, I wrestled with that for probably a year longer than I should have uh, and didn't cut those acting ties as soon as I should have, I don't think. Uh, but it's hard to do because you're taking another risk in a way, going into a, a freelance, uncertain world, and you're all, you also still want to believe that you were right to choose one career path initially. Um, I had to I had a a, a meeting with um, a casting director called Anne McNulty, who was at the time the casting director of the Donmar Warehouse uh, in London, mm. and. Uh, it was on a Tuesday, and it was about ten minutes before a horse race called the Supreme Novices Hurdle, which actually is the first race of the Cheltenham Festival, which is around the corner from when we're recording this, anyway. Mm. And I'd, uh, I, had, I'd had uh, for, for me, I'd had a, a fair wager on 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 a horse in this race, so I thought, well, look, I'm going to watch the race and go into the meeting. Uh, the race went off late um the horse didn't win I thought this isn't well, now I'm not in the right frame of mind for one of the biggest <laughs> auditions of my life I don't really remember what happened in the room and I walked out and I thought what am I doing this is ridiculous I'm not I <laughs> come, what am I doing here so that was the moment where I went no I'm going to change tack and I'm going to put all the eggs into the horse racing basket um I'm not uh, I'm not really cut out for the other world and uh I I just I contacted as many people as I possibly could, either through contacts or or, effectively cold calling. Um, And I'm very conscious now. Actually, this morning, I I sat down with a guy that's finishing at at college um, who wants to go into horse racing broadcasting. Um, And that's really what happened with me, a a guy called Nick Luck, who I, I made contact with he was fantastic with his time and he at the time he was get just getting a a transition in his career and he let me sort of shadow him a a little bit introduced me to the right people it didn't happen overnight it was a good sort of two-year process of meeting people through him but with with his sort of okay behind me it, it meant that the company I work for now were Happy to have me along for uh, for a couple of weeks' work experience, and then into a sort of junior junior presenter role because I made uh, it, it became apparent that I was comfortable enough in front of camera and half knew what I was talking about. So I'm I'm very grateful to him and other people like him in the industry who gave me their time, and I'm also then conscious to anybody that approaches me now and says, "I'd really like to to do what you do. Um, could I?" S- have 30 minutes of your time to always say yes to that i think it's very important because you never know who you're going to meet doing that and for all some people you might think i don't know this is right for you there'll also be people who you think ah, in 20 years time you'll probably be doing a bigger gig than me and i might be contacting <laughs> you so so there you go so you know um, it, it's
0: super interesting you say this because anyone we've had on that sort of um gone into an industry that is it's hard to break into right presenting is a tough gig to get into Mm. and they've put themselves forward and they've gone and reached out to people they've offered their time like we had um alex Payne, the the rugby broadcaster on and he said exactly the same thing he he went out there put himself out there reached out to people offered his time and uh, he just had to try it for for a couple of years and then eventually you make contacts right
1: Yeah. And, and for me, it was, it was as much about timing as anything else. So when I first was um, having, having spent a lot of time, um, you know, following Nick and a few other uh, broadcasters or journalists, um, there was a chap from the BBC who was, who who let me um, shadow him for a little bit as well. And obviously look, don't get me wrong. I didn't hear back from everyone. Um, And, and, you know, I'd I'd set up a a website, which I was putting my own content on just so I had some sort of body of work behind me. But the the fact that people were willing to, I think when you see people doing at first hand, not just on the on the TV or, or 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 otherwise, when you're actually next to them, seeing them do what you want to do, that becomes quite inspiring. And the other the other thing is, I was I was sort of mid mid twenties at this point, probably twenty six, and I had moved out really of desperation, made that career move out. I think it's people only move. or or, or are willing to change tack or do things which look quite intimidating or scary like write to somebody who you respect because it's not easy to do Uh, well I did it through desperation because I thought I've got to do this now or it's not going to happen and three or four years before that I probably could have done it I just didn't because I at that stage I I wasn't desperate enough to do so if that if that makes sense I think that if, if you're a little bit earlier on in your life. And, and, you know, you don't want to look silly or you don't want to re- reach out to people. It's not easy to do because you, you know, you, you feel that you might not get back what you want. And I would encourage people to do that because you've got nothing to lose, but I equally, I appreciate it's not the easiest thing to do necessarily. I certainly didn't feel it was easy to do until I thought I absolutely had to.
0: I think uh, you make a such a good point. Like I'm 26 myself now. And if you'd asked me a couple of years ago would you reach out to people would you would you do these things like like even starting this podcast and then talking to people um you know we never met about industries that we don't know about and all things like that just putting yourself out there i think it gets less and less scary the older you get because you're like well i don't really care what what people think as much
2: Mm.
1: yeah
0: don't don't, do you think
1: i definitely um Almost, there's you go through a transition, don't you? You, you, I think when you're very young, it's not scary, and then you go through that sort of self reflection phase of, and you get on a a more general path of, mm. um, you, you know, you, you, I, I've studied, and now I'll maybe try a work experience route, and or or, or, or wherever you're you're going, um, you, you you're you on a sort of that travelator of life, moving on from one stage to the next, mm. uh, and then when you start to see the end of that phase coming towards you you think oh my god I've got to do something now exactly like you say um perhaps with this podcast if you know you 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 could have perhaps done it four or five years ago but maybe you didn't because you weren't moved enough to at that point I I started a a podcast which is which is not no longer going but about four or three years ago um which I wish I'd done sooner at the time but again I I don't really know why I didn't it just didn't seem it just I think I was really, I was genuinely fi- scared of it failing, or it, or it not being any good. And then you hit mm. a point where you go, "Well, who cares if it's not any good?" Because I have, <laughs> I've got to do something. <laughs> That's it. Um So I think it's yeah. I think it's really you know, if I speak to to people now who want to get into uh, broadcasting, um, I, I had a chat with Claire Balding, the broadcaster, about. Uh, probably about five or six years ago now when I, I had a, a work at the company I work for, but on a very low level. I said, you know, what else can I do to branch out? She said, generate your own content. There is, you know, we I don't know how you're recording this, but I'm sat here in a spare bedroom with a laptop on two bedside tables piled on top of each other and a, a, a little lapel mic and, and some budget earphones. But hopefully you can hear me and I can hear you. So it, yes. it works, right? And anybody has the 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 technology at their disposal to podcast or to, um, you know, really generate content, visual content. We could be recording this in vision and and you can put that out on other, on other um, mediums And, and you have the ability now with, with everything that's available to generate your own content if you want to go into broadcasting, but it is a frightening thing to do, a really frightening thing to do to put yourself out there particularly when it's you producing the content. And I, I would still encourage people to do that. You know, don't purposefully make yourself look a fool, but I would encourage people to do that because if you can generate your own body of work and it's something you're passionate about, people will respect that and they'll sit up and take note. And then when you do reach out to someone, you c- it's not just a letter or an email. It's, oh, and by the way, take a look at this. And that gives you that little bit more, it, it, it gives something extra to to anyone you're writing to.
2: No, Certainly. Um, for yourself, you obviously have some experience in acting, but broadcasting and presenting is slightly different to that. How was it for you to actually learn and develop your skills? And how did you do that as a presenter?
1: Um, I don't really know. Um, I so when initially when I left university just before I went and did a, did a this year postgrad drama school, Uh, class uh somebody who I knew through the family was pretty high up at a tv company and I and I got to spend a day down there and um she said why don't we give you a a screen test to be a presenter and I I scoffed I was like I'm a serious actor (laughs) (laughs) and I it's it's absolutely disgraceful to think but I refused to have this screen test as a presenter because I was like I mean come on I'm off to drama school to study Shakespeare why on earth would I be a presenter and now here I am. Um, and they are different. Um, I think in a way I found the idea then of presenting because you're yourself when you're presenting. There's, there's at least acting you can hide behind being someone else. Whereas when you're presenting, um, it, it's, it's you. And if you cock up and you you can quite easily look silly, um, everything, most of what I do now is live. Uh, but I think drama school was genuinely a big help because it just gives you a a command of language it helps you to learn things to like take taking your time is is huge and drama school helped with that so there was some crossover but as far as broadcasting went I mean I still got things to learn I know I do there's still some things I watch back and I think oh god that's that's terrible but I didn't do any sort of course in it uh it just I I felt comfortable enough I think in front of of a of camera and, and speaking, because it's essentially a form of public speaking, that that was the, the, a big hurdle which I think people have to overcome, which fortunately I had already, already got some um, ability to to do that. So that felt pretty comfortable. And then it's just knowing your subject matter. That was the biggest thing for me, was making sure that I knew enough about the sport I was broadcasting about, because there's a difference between being a fan and actually knowing enough to to present it.
0: How did you get comfortable in front of a camera? Because anyone's thinking about going into broadcasting or whatever it be, like creating their own content. Like me personally, we talked about this quite a few times when we do ju- on the podcast. When you turn, like we tried to do some TikToks. When I turn the camera on and face it round to me, I I go like, well, oh, clammy, I can't get my words out. I don't know. How do you begin to like normalise that?
1: It's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's funny so how weird. if we suddenly, you know, if we suddenly put put turn on the screen here and, and we would suddenly change the 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 entire dynamic of this conversation would change you know we would change how we're sitting and then that would then affect how we speak it's really it's really funny to think that and um when I you know when I first was presenting in, in our studio you have a big big screen which has the program output on it and it's a it's it's quite a big old screen staring you in the face and just before you come on air it'll switch to 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 program and you realize oh my god my face is about to be on that screen oh my this is terrifying and then it you know you somebody in your ear the director will say cue and you there you are and that's that moment of sort of you know start talking or freeze and die immediately on air and look like a fool um and now I'm completely used to it. But yeah, it's, uh, do you know, I don't know. I, I, you do get used to it. Mm.
0: Um,
1: it's the same sort of thing, I think, when you, I don't know if you guys get this, perhaps the first few pods you did when you first heard yourself back, you almost think, is that me? It, do, 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 do you find that you sound different almost? I don't know, I haven't listened
0: to them back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly did. I, I cringed for weeks when I heard myself back. But now... Uh, it sort of doesn't phase me
2: yeah i couldn't bring myself to do it <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do right you question you're like is that me does, yeah. does I really sound like that why am i speaking like that um but you it does yeah in time it becomes more natural i think um I, yeah i, I think i don't know how you without doing it i don't know what pra- you know I, I guess you you practice it um there are i think one of the big things is 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 feeling grounded and feeling and even though you won't feel entirely calm you need the audience to think that you're calm because but because an order a bit like when you they can smell into, your fear yeah yeah but they can right when you walk into so if i walk into i've got a springer spaniel and when i if i walk into the room that he's in and i'm I'm excited because we're, you know, I'm, or I get a lead because I'm going to go out for a walk. I've got a spring in my step. He picks up on that. Or if I walk in, he's very good at judging what sort of mood I'm in. And an audience can will sort of fall into whatever mood you're in, I think, to an extent. So if you are feeling really nervous about a broadcast, and you come in vision and you look terrified, then all of a sudden it's really awkward for the audience as well. They'll feel really on edge looking at you and think, oh, well, he's not comfortable. But if you're comfortable in what you're doing, it puts everyone else at ease.
0: Mm. So that's such a good point, actually. I've never thought of that. If If you relax, then it makes the audience relax, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, wow. the spring of Spaniel analogy was, was awful, really. But, <laughs> but <laughs> It's great. You know dogs, I mean. Great yeah, dogs. Yeah, Thank he's you. great. But I mean, the reality is he's excited no matter what happens. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the they definitely, you know, an audience will pick up on your energy and therefore you want to seem in control. Because if you're in control, everyone else feels so much calmer and then far less analytical about what you're doing and actually a broadcast shouldn't be about you it should be highlighting the sport getting the best Mm. out of your your pundit which is which is what i think it's so important to do and is it is it a
0: bit of a case of fake the confidence till you make it you know just even if you're so nervous just try and come off confident
1: yeah, I think yeah, definitely, definitely, because you and and you know that old adage of some some nerves are good, and they are because equally mm. you don't want to be so calm that you're boring and you're half asleep yourself. There there has to be a you know there there a, a, you have to go on a journey throughout the throughout the whole if you're doing a show because there are moments where you need to come alive a little bit more and then moments where you need to to, to relax and be a bit calm. Um, And then something bad might happen. And those are really tough moments, I think, that you have to deal with because you then become really self-critical and self-analytical because it's a high drama moment, be it an an injury to a footballer or or, or if if you were doing football broadcast or, in particular, in in what I do, uh, reporting on the death of a horse, which can happen, unfortunately, uh, in a a broadcast. And that's, that's very difficult to get the tone right, I think, But if you are worried about giving that news, or you're on edge about it, then that's that's the worst position to be in because that just emits out through the screens to people who then also feel on edge and awkward about it, and then they're like, "Oh, he didn't do that very well. That was inconsiderate." And then you're on a hiding to nothing.
2: So, what would be an average
1: day for
2: you as a uh, sports presenter?
1: uh so tomorrow for example we have um coverage of of racing from dubai which uh normally i'd be out there hosting it which is you know a great thing to do um it's slightly different out there uh, on a grander scale but uh, obviously we can't go out there for obvious reasons at the moment so we're hosting it from our Studio, which is a the, the studio has changed in the last three weeks that we've got. So it's now been made a completely virtual studio. So the whole room is green. There is just and genuinely it's bizarre. um You walk in, there's a white desk and the floor and the ceiling and the and the walls are green. It's just a big. It's all green and so the it's a virtual studio, so when you see it on the screen, we've got you know a set behind us with um a sofa and cushions, and there's another area with a with a huge t v screen for us to do analysis, but it's just not really there, so it's it takes a bit of getting used to so the for example, the director will say, in my ear turn towards the screen, and you'll turn towards the green wall, pretending you're looking at the action in the screen and then um yes then 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 you'll go out of vision and then you turn back to the screen you can actually see so that's different but that that makes it um an interesting process uh, we'll cover those race meetings for six i think it's a 6 hour show we do tomorrow and then then that's that um it's obviously different to being on course in and around the action which is probably a little bit more fun to be honest because there's a bit more going on but but those are the Those are the two differences, either in in our studio or on course, in amongst the action, although sadly no crowds at the moment, which makes it all all a little bit quieter.
0: You sort of uh, mentioned at the beginning about the sort of future of uh, watching sport, how the internet's changed, its social media. What kind of things do you look for or are you thinking about with regards to presenting into the future?
1: So I think... The way we watch sport, we've already seen that changing compared to even three or four years ago. I think with um, companies like Amazon Prime would be a would be a prime example for watching football, where you have the choice of what match you want to watch, as opposed to you know pre pandemic um, no three o'clock Saturday kickoffs on TV, and then you you have your five thirty kickoff you watch on TV. Um, and you catch up with the rest on match of the day, if that's how you want to do it. I think that, I think viewers of sport are, are are less controlled, but less constrained by time now. So, um, or, or, or everyone is aside from the pandemic, because you might not be able to watch time because you're, you're busy doing something. So you want to watch it later and you can, you can watch it later if you've recorded it, or you can watch it later on your phone or, things like that so I think choice is is changing everything and the the way that you can experience live sport Um, and that's what we're we're trying to do now at the company I work for whereby every race meeting we will put out a feed from that meeting what is going out on the channel is one succinct show but otherwise you have the choice uh, online or on your tv to select what you want to watch from a particular race meeting and you know I do think that is how sport is going to be viewed in the future I I think it's almost like when you go when you go abroad for and, and you want to watch a football match you're happy because you can watch whichever football match you want but just the rights in the UK mean that you can't but I think choice is what the what the viewer is going to want going forward and we need to be conscious of that now hopefully that means a lot more jobs for sports presenters because rather than showing one match they've got to show all 10 <laughs> but i don't know if that's i don't know if it would translate to that in the future
0: but the i think have to cover 10
1: <laughs> yeah well exactly yeah um but i think watching live action the choice of what live action you want because of technology is how it should be i think that's how bt sport do it now as well with the when they had the fa cup matches you could choose which of the matches you wanted there was a broadcast from each of those matches and you could you could choose which one you wanted, and I think that's how things are moving now in in the future you know c- county cricket you can go online and you can on twitter you can watch ball by ball coverage of the county cricket if if it's your county playing, which is amazing really but i I think that's the way we're all moving, which is you know it's it's exciting it it, it means a lot more choice at your fingertips
2: yeah certainly it'll probably be the biggest sports though that decide not to do that and still get keep people from uh watching what they want to watch but yeah well. ex- exactly <laughs> and then charging
1: extra for sort of pay yeah per of view course and things like that which is, is part and parcel of
2: it so what would be some personality traits that you seen yourself and maybe some colleagues around you that you think have, has really helped you get to where you are within this industry um i think so
1: i think one thing I haven't touched upon is uh interviews so obviously that's part of a live broadcast or that's also something that you you know you go and do a recorded interview sometimes and uh, you know a, a longer piece a sit down interview and I think that is that is where your people skills really come across and fortunately that's something I always felt quite comfortable with so uh, as simple as sort of you know walking into a room and feeling comfortable talking to anyone um now, that isn't to say that that people who aren't comfortable doing that can't be be broadcasters or can't interview. You you can have some, you know, quite introvert people who are still very good interviewers, but you've got to feel comfortable in other people's presence. Um, you know, and I've had anxiety battles uh, of late for, for whatever reason, but, but I've still always been comfortable, I think, in other people's in other people's company. Uh, I think I feel secure by that. And, and if you're going to sit down and do an interview, you, any awkwardness isn't going to help the interview at all. You you need to make that person feel at ease and therefore you need to feel at ease in order to do that. And I think the other the other thing is there has to be a level of of confidence in, in your life if you're going to stand up and, and present and host a show, because, you know, that otherwise the doubt will it, it won't serve you well at all you you you'll 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 go into your shell and and that won't make for a for a, a good sports broadcast or a good broadcaster at all so you you've got to have that level of confidence I'm not sure if you can fake it necessarily on on that if it's not there at all I think it's probably very difficult to fake mm. but then confidence comes with feeling like you're knowing what you're doing and then there, there is training to help you with that.
0: Mm. What would be some of the biggest positives or opportunities you've had out of this this career so far?
1: Uh, the that's a good question. I think traveling um, that's that's been a real positive. So getting to um, to go to uh, America and to Dubai. Um, I've recently hosted from the the Saudi Cup uh, in Saudi Arabia, um, which is quite divisive. For, for obvious reasons um, but i love the sport and therefore went out there supporting the sport and enjoyed my time out there greatly so i think that's been that's been huge is is the ability to not just do it within the uk but to to travel and see places um and, and the obvious thing would be going to work and it not i think looking forward to going to work is something that's not lost on me that is a very lucky position to be in there's very rarely a day in any year that i get up and think i could really do without going to work today and and that's just an incredibly mm. fortunate position to be in also quite frightening because the moment that's taken away and at some point it will be that i there's that I can't do this forever, but for, for, for lots of different reasons, it just won't work out like that. And I'm conscious of, it, you know, hopefully it's a long way off, but what, what the, where the transition will be into, um, you know, not having a sort of five day a week presenting from race courses or a studio job, but the, yes, the, with, with loving what you're doing comes fear that it'll be taken away, but I'd rather have it. It's, I'm very fortunate that I, I look forward to going to work
2: and on the uh, the flip side of that what would be some of the
1: negatives of this industry that you you found um well i have a you know a relatively small online profile uh, and i'm sure a few people say this where if you ask this question to them about um, being held accountable on social media but mm. that is something that takes a bit of getting used to and i have no idea how people with a large f- following um so for example there was terrible i've forgotten her name but after the england wales match June um douglas yes well yes exactly yeah. jill douglas she um conducted a couple of interviews and the 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 level of abuse she received was i think so une- i think the the thing is it was so unexpected for her so when you do something which is palpably wrong uh, you know, you might open up Twitter with half an eye thinking, oh, this is going to be bad. But for her, I don't think she thought for any second that she was going to receive abuse. And then she had a, an absolute mountain of it coming her way. And that's really hard to, to deal with, I can imagine, for her. I mean, I might get, you know, a few comments every now and again, which which are a bit needly or or very critical or just just plain unnecessary. But it, it, And I find that difficult enough to deal with. But it, if, if you're getting it on that sort of le- level, I... I think that it, it, you you need a thick skin to be able to to deal with that. And it does get thicker over time. You you start realising it's probably not worth um, responding to these people. Or you go down the James Blunt route and just take the mick back. We've talked
0: but, about <laughs> James Blunt about this a couple of times on here. He is brilliant with them, isn't he? It's he's tremendous. He roasts them.
1: Exactly. And you've you got to be confident to do that. But yeah. uh, also he's in, perhaps in a position where he can throw those stones back yeah Um, i i think ignore is just that genuinely the if you ignore it just it it doesn't and don't go looking for it either no i I think
0: i think we because we we've had loads of people talk about this right because lots of people we have are in the public eye hmm. and and they all sort of come to realization at some point that the people that are actually taking the time to leave negative comments maybe aren't as happy in their own lives and they're just looking for an outlet or because like most normal people really don't go out there to to be negative to people do they
1: Uh, exactly and it and you know the, the the people that um the people that do it are they enjoy doing it and you're very rarely going to to change their mind and there's really no need to um and and the other thing is i think you know what what do you really so what i would worry about for example isn't Necessarily, somebody writing me an abusive comment and me seeing it. I think my my main concern was more other people seeing that comment and mm. therefore that becoming uh, emblematic of the public opinion about me. Does somebody else read that and think, "Oh, that person's right. He is a so and so, or he did ask a rubbish question here, mm. or he got this wrong." W- whereas, you know, ultimately, it's only through you responding to it that it then gets any traction. So if you are it in something and and, and and you read it, then you j- just let it pass you by and, and d- don't respond to it unless, as you say, you're feeling particularly clever and comfortable in doing so. Because there's just no need. It, 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 then it's out there and then it becomes more of a thing. Um, even if it's really hurtful, uh, you know, go get some fresh air and it, and, it, and, and it won't be so hurtful through the through through with time passing but that look that's easier said than done i think yeah. you know some people really get your back up and you want to write back and be really a, you want to write something clever back but um, there's oh, often very little point
0: i was listening to um joe rogan's podcast earlier with um he, he's done a couple with kevin hart and they talk mm. about this because obviously kevin hart is a massive massive superstar and he he deals with this all the time yeah and he said that the thing that helped him was remembering that just because loads of people have left negative stuff that's not the public opinion That's just because, you know, as you get bigger, more and more people see you, more and more people feel the need to leave those messages. But that doesn't mean it represents what people think of you.
1: No, absolutely. And it's much easier for people to leave a negative comment than a positive one. I think that's human nature to an extent is if you're doing your job well, you're kind of just doing your job and therefore people don't need to need to comment on it unless it's excellent or you've clearly gone out of your way or you put something impassioned out yourself that you want to uh, generate a response from but if you slip up people are quite quick to point it out to you because or if you say something which maybe someone doesn't agree with they're more likely to respond than if they agree with you because that's just that's human nature if we're sitting around the table in a pub and I say something you agree with you might just say yeah yeah but if you say if I say something you don't agree with you'll say no because and then and and that's that's debate and and conversation and that's why I think people people are quicker to point out where they think you're wrong and something you've done right so you're almost always going to get more maybe I just get more negativity but I think (laughs) and also you react different to the negativity you do you you, you do you know you, you might glaze over a nice comment and then you read one bad one and you think oh that's stuck in my head I'm gonna go to bed thinking about that tonight mm. um I had I had somebody write it, so I I I wrote something on social media um the other day uh, that was critical and somebody wrote back and said um uh said um talking of morals I I don't know how high your horse is but can you see Saudi Arabia from there and I thought that's <laughs> a beautifully crafted tweet <laughs> some um, of
0: them are quite funny to be and honest.
1: i thought you know i i'm very close to liking that because that's <laughs> just for all i could have a debate as to why that's completely irrelevant yeah and that's some next level whataboutery um it's re- it's well crafted and i'm it's, yeah but i left impressive. it i left it <laughs> exactly I left it.
0: Um At this point, we usually talk about sort of you know salary expectations within the industry and what people going and we we go away and look at, at data basically and mm-hmm. see if you agree with it so uh, for starting positions within the world of broadcasting, obviously it's completely dependent because it 's freelance a lot of the time yeah. you you're maybe looking at twenty thousand pounds maybe um but then on from there it's it's completely dependent upon the industry the the type of sport you're in or, or whatever you're in is that are we right in saying that?
1: Massively. it. I mean, I don't even know how you'd equate how you would get a sort of average. I think it, the average would be so it'd be such a volatile average. I just don't know. Um, I mean, it's exactly that. There are so many different factors which can d- decide how much you earn, except probably the, the starting level. That's probably pretty consistent, but it can go up pretty sharply after that. And then equally, the other side of the mountain fall down pretty quickly as well.
2: So, what would be something that you never expected to be part of your day to day in this job, um, going into it?
1: Um, I would say, actually, uh, one thing I was just going to come back to you on on earnings. Just so in anything anyone's interested, yeah. There, there is rather than salary, I think that day rate is uh, for a for for a freelance broadcaster. That's it. That so you will you will set your day rate at a level that you feel or that you know. Probably compare yourself to other people and mm. that is how you will operate around and then you want to obviously pick up as many days as possible and then when you get you know if you do get to a certain level then there are other associations and ambassador roles that come with that that then can can hike up how much you earn so uh you know if 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 you're if you're a, a, a well-known racing uh, presenter you can have um bookmaker deals or, or other things like that mm. or or if you're in if you're in um football or rugby you might have equipment deals or 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 equipment makers or whatever so they can then you know pump up the salary and, and you take advantage of those when you get them but um uh yeah, uh, uh, from a freelance level anyway, I think you 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 operate around a day rate that you charge yourself out at and you, you hope that you get as many days as possible. Sorry, I thought I'd just, just tie that up.
0: No, it's a, Julie jumped the gun. Go on, Julie, ask the question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not Let at me... all. Ask me again, Julie. Sorry, I've forgotten the
2: question. <laughs> it's all right, no worries. Um uh, what is something that you never expected to be part of your day to day um going into this this world of uh, horse racing?
1: it's a good question what did i not expect to be part of my day today um i didn't expect to twitter i know i've come back to it again i didn't expect twitter to be such a large part of my day but because mm. that is i mean that's probably the answer i get so much news through that it is uh, it's frightening the amount of times i scroll through to pick up on little bits of news um so that's certainly one of the things uh, i didn't expect um i didn't expect so much driving to be part of my day to day i do a lot of miles in the car because uh, there are race meetings all over the place and i didn't necessarily expect that and the thing with driving the sort of love hate relationship i have with driving is um if you get public transport you can do prep on the public transport so you can you mm-hmm. know i can get a 3 hour train up to up to York for a race meeting there and I don't have to have done any prep before I go. So it's not eating into my family time or anything like that. I can get on the train and I can start prepping and have the internet battles on the train. Great. But at least I can get some work done in the car. It's, it's so difficult to be specific with what you're doing because I can listen to a podcast and that's great, but I can't listen to a podcast about that day's horse racing meeting. So I can't do any, any work and therefore the work is eating into my, um, into my family time at home and and so I I I appreciate driving because you're under your own steam and you're probably a bit more comfortable but I equally I get really frustrated with it being wasted time when I could be using it to to prep and to work and and do things that relate to the work that day
0: so obviously being a, a a racing commentator or sorry broadcaster mm. um you you're out on these you know the likes of Royal Ascot and, and all the the Cheltenham and all that what's it like being there when there's crowds there and it and it must be such a buzz
1: it it's genu- genuinely magnificent it's brilliant it's uh Royal Ascot is its own wonderful experience because of the pomp and everyone dressing up um you know everyone wearing top hat and tails and it's slightly strange obviously um <laughs> you know you look down over from from the top of the grandstand over the the paddock and you just think and the queen's coming in in her carriage and you think this is obviously completely abnormal but I love it yeah. um it's got its own little special place in history and I hope it doesn't change um uh, Cheltenham has its uh, own very different dress code, but it's got people who love horse racing. The the, the the winter season is all geared around that festival, really, and it is a real festival feel. It's, um, it's it's absolutely brilliant. the The start of the festival when there are crowds there, and um, this this supreme novices hurdle, which I mentioned back at the Dunbar Warehouse, it has this roar which greets it. So the commentator will say they're coming out onto the track, and seventy thousand people will just do this. Guttural roar, which is just <laughs> magnificent. You know, it's really hairs on the back of your neck stuff. And it's, you know, when I'm there in in ten days' time, whatever it is, it's going to feel so odd. Mm. That vast space with no crowds will feel just the most, just so so strange. A little bit like when you're watching the, the football now, and you either have crowd sounds on or not, and it sounds like a training match if there's no crowd sounds on. It's just, yeah. it's just not the same. It's so odd. But I think we'll appreciate. When stadiums are full again, just what it was like when they weren't.
0: We've talked about doing it a couple of times, and we, Jules, we need to uh, we need to go and uh, try that out. See what it's like.
1: Have you been? Have you been to a horse racing meeting?
0: I, I've never been. Have you been, Jules?
2: Uh, no, I haven't. No. I've been to, to I've been to a few horse races, but nothing of that grandeur.
1: Oh, uh, you'll have to. Yeah, I I thoroughly recommend it. Go whichever one you're. My advice would be go on the first day of these festivals. Right. So if it's Cheltenham or Ascot don't wait till the last you go on the first day. Um, it's, it's, there's a, a really special buzz to those days and it's well worth doing at least once.
2: Brilliant. We'll do that. And, uh, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now?
1: One million percent. Definitely. Uh, yes. I just, I hope, I hope I stick around in it for for a long time.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Tom. And it's been, uh, it's been really enjoyable chatting with you.
1: Uh, uh, I really appreciate it, Dan Jules. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for having me on.
2: And uh, where can people find you on social media to follow all the latest horse racing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. To give me some abuse but going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, the You can go to uh, at underscore uh, Tom Stanley underscore on uh, Twitter. Um, and I have no idea what my Instagram is, but if you want lots of me taking the mick out my Springer Spaniel, then, um, it's, it's well worth
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to tag you. Brilliant. Thanks Tom. Brilliant. Magic. Thank
1: you. Thanks guys. Yeah. Cheers. Bye-bye.